Amen. It's the uh, soggy bottom boys. <laughs> no, we're thankful for them and uh, all they do and sacrifice and the time they give. And if you know me, I just don't like things sitting around. They drive me nuts, so that's why I'm moving stuff. It's not abnormal for me, and uh, sorry, it's just a part of my ADD, but if you're here long enough, you'll just look past it. <laughs> I have my quirks, and uh, you guys know that. Uh, this morning, and obviously this year has been a, 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 gr- a great year. I'm not going to say it's been a terrible year. It's been a great year. It's been a trying and challenging year. And uh, as you all know, through this year, we have went through the ups and the downs and the trials and the tasks, and uh, things have changed, and looks have changed, and we've had service inside and outside and online and anywhere and everywhere in between. But guess what? God's still faithful, and he's still blessing. He's still moving. And uh, I want to tell you that through all the trouble, all the craziness, and all the chaos, Lakeside Church has prospered and not... not uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I know that many have been affected and have been sick and, and, and are recovering, and thank God for that. Uh, but God is faithful. And in the middle of all this craziness, you know that we planted another location in Yakinville, and thank God that they have just continued right on through. And people asked us when we started March the 15th in Yakinville, I've had other pastors ask me if we were crazy, and I said, well, possibly. But uh, we know what the Lord told us and what he led us to do. And uh, thank God for Wayne and Stacy up there and uh, all those that have, have went up there, Aaron and David, and Jan and Clay and Marcy and Connie, who have sacrificed so much for going up there every week. And uh, Ricky and Nicole, uh, they, they live close, and, but still it's, it was a sacrifice for them to leave and go and minister. And thank God that they are blessing, that families are coming in. And uh, the Lord is just continuing to move. So we look forward to this coming year. Yes, we look forward that finally that 2020 will be hindsight and uh, uh, we'll, we'll move on. But nonetheless, God is faithful. This morning, if, uh, turn in your word to 2 Samuel chapter 24. Uh, this morning when I got up, I realized I'd probably eaten too much uh, rib roast because uh, my button wouldn't button on my neck. And uh, so I had to tie a tie to hold it up and... Then my uh, cuffs were buttoned, and I thought my hands were going to turn blue because my uh, wrists uh, got fat over the <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> uh, or I think, my, I think she washed the clothes in extra hot water. They shrank. I think they shrank, but that's what I'm going with. But the Lord woke me up early, um, early Wednesday morning and had this on my heart, and I, I came and I began to write, and um, I don't want you to uh, leave this place wondering if, but I want you to leave this place in wonder and awe of just how mighty God is. And I want to use this morning for a title, He Don't Want Your Leftovers. We become guilty as a church, not, I'm, not, when I, I'm not just mentioning you, I'm saying as a whole. We have become guilty as a nation, as a people, a body of believers of bringing the Lord our leftover energy, bringing the Lord our, our leftover time, and even bringing the Lord our leftover finances and gifts and talents. And we want Him to bless it. When He gave us His very best. And I want you to follow along with me this morning, track or whatever you want to call it. 
But you read in 2 Samuel 24, and beginning with verses 1 and 2, and it says, And again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. And in verse 2 says, For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. This seems like a very innocent request. Don't seem like much. So what's the big deal? David wants to know how many people are there. How many is he captain over? How many men do I have charge over? I just want to know. He just wanted to know the number of people. In essence, he was taking a census of the people. Uh, many of you probably filled those out this year. And uh, they, they take this census to get this information. And uh, people want to know, well, what's wrong with this? What's the big deal? Nothing was wrong with what he did, but it's because of why he done it. I preached uh, f uh, several weeks ago, and I, and, I, and I spoke out of Corinthians, but just because you can, don't mean that you should. So we look at the last part of verse 2, and it says, and this is the reason why the Lord was angry. David speaking, that I may know the number of the people. The desire, the motive was selfish. He wanted to know. It was simply, a, even, even Joab recognized, if you read in verse 3, um, Joab recognized this, said, And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord your God add unto the people how many soever they be, an hundredfold, and that the eyes of the Lord of the king may see it. But why does, the, does my Lord the king delight in this thing? When it's something that you desire, when it's something that you want, when it's something that you like, and it's something that drives you, everyone will recognize the selfishness of said thing, whatever it may be, except for you. And that holds true for all of us. Uh, the, 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 the family that planted this church, uh, Michael Goins, when we, we, when we came here almost eight years ago, he was preaching, and I'll never forget an illustration that he used, and he was speaking of his son, and he was whatever it was, I don't know the, the, the exact matter, but he held the phone up to his son's face, and he said, tell me what time it is, and his son told him, I can't see it, it's too close. And that always resonated within me, because when you're so close to something, you can't see it for what it sometimes really is. So David's motive was the reason, not the request. And I can't judge your motive. I'm not going to judge your motive. That's between you and the Lord. But we do judge the tree by the fruit that it bears. And we get all offended when somebody comes to us with biblical uh, and scriptural references and correcting in love, we get all offended because it ruffles our feathers. So he came back, uh, Joab came back, and he basically told him what he wanted to know. And, and if you read through 2 Samuel 24, you can find this information for yourself. And he said, you basically, you have 800,000 uh, valiant, 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 Lord, I couldn't get it out, men in Israel, and 500,000 of those are Judah. You've got a lot of people at your, your, your uh, 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 beck and call, if you will. But if you go to verse 10 in 2 Samuel 24, it says, And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people.
people. And David said unto the Lord, get this clearly, I have sinned. I, who has? I have. David said, I have sinned greatly in that I have done, and now I beseech you, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servants, for I have done very foolishly. David owned up, he recognized what he had done, and, and his heart was immediately uh, uh, troubled. I don't think that his heart was kicking him and punching him and, and all of those things. But his heart was troubled. Why? Because David was seeking the Lord. When you're seeking the Lord, it don't mean that you're always going to do the right thing. But when you're seeking the Lord and you desire the Holy Spirit to operate and move in your life, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to check you and He's going to correct you. And He's going to convict you. And once, when we're seeking the Lord and we desire all that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, and he, we desire again that He lead us and guide us, again, He will correct you. One of the most important parts of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives is this very thing, that He will convict us. Us. You. He'll convict you of what you're doing, whatever it may be, if it be wrong, if it be against His will. It might not even be wrong, but it was not what he directed you or told you to do. I said this Wednesday or Thursday, our Christmas Eve service, if you read throughout the Word of God, the Lord never asks anyone to do anything he tells him. And we can either receive that or we can push that away. So he'll bring to your attention what you've done wrong. It may seem okay with everybody else. But it's always motive. It's always why. You know that the Lord knows our heart. And that sometimes that should scare us to death. And in fact, in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, the Bible plainly instructs us of how, what, and why we are to do what we do. If you want to know how, why, and what, read this, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It clearly tells us, as believers... And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So when you're doing something, it should never be out of a selfish desire, a selfish motive, but it should be as unto the Lord. This morning I was vacuuming out in the front and Ron came out just joking, of course. He said, do you mind? They were in here practicing and I said, no, I don't mind. I was vacuuming as I was doing it unto the Lord. Lord, I'm cleaning your floor. I'm cleaning your floor. Cleaning your floor. No, I wasn't singing that song, but I could have. But when you learn that everything that the Lord has placed in front of you is for a purpose and is for a reason, you're going to do it as you're doing it, or you should, as you are doing it unto Him. So we go back to 24, chapter 24 of 2 Samuel, verse 10. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. He didn't blame anybody else. He didn't blame 2020. He didn't blame this is a new time, it's a new era, it's a new way. We've got social media and everybody's a big keyboard warrior and they're all bold behind the, the screen. He didn't, he didn't blame nothing. He didn't blame his parents. 
He didn't blame his servants. He didn't blame the Israelites. He didn't blame the tribes. He didn't blame anybody. He did not seek counsel. And he didn't try to figure out why he did what he did. He simply went to the Lord and said, I have sinned greatly. He took personal responsibility. We all want to know, why, why did we do that? It don't matter. If it's wrong and if it's against the Lord's will, then we need to go to Him and we need to seek repentance and repent before Him. He didn't blame anybody, so we have to quit trying to justify our choices. And guess what we need to do? We need to own them. Me looking at a standing rib roast didn't make me put on a little bit of weight. But me cutting the rib roast and indulging in that rib, man, I'm getting hungry, um, made me put on a little bit of weight. I didn't blame, I deep fried a rib roast for Christmas. Oh, it was good. I, I didn't blame the deep fryer. I didn't blame Summer. I didn't blame, Hope didn't, even though she was over there, had a knife to my back and told me to hurry up. And I didn't blame any of that. I did it. It was me. I did it. So we, and guess what? We can't even blame the devil. Well, the devil made me do No, he didn't. The devil didn't make David do what he did. David chose to. I choose to do this or that. I, he can't make me do anything. Why? Because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me in Romans 6 and 14 that sin shall not have dominion over you. Yes, sin's still there, but it does not run and control my life. So because of his choice, and you read on through, and I'm not going to read it all for time's sake, but I am going to keep it all in context. When you read on through, basically the Lord went to Gad, the prophet, and he spoke to him, and he said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give David a choice of three things that I'm going to do because of what he's done. So the Lord chose, or, or the Lord uh, sent these choices to David. David chose to, to, to allow him for three days to send pestilence to the land. And through that choice, 70,000 men were wiped out. Can I tell you that your selfish choice affects more than you? I'm not blaming, listen, there are addicts in life. And addicts never think that they will end up where they are. But an addict is driven out of selfishness because of the, the drug or the high or, or the desire, whatever it may be. And they make choices that affect everybody else. But let's go a little bit further. Let's talk about the Christian folk. <laughs> because we're so high and mighty and we know how to dress and know what to say and when to do it and how to do it and why to do it and what to look at and how to look. We, we do these things and then we look down we make a choice to not receive someone into the fellowship because they don't look like, talk like, or act like me. And your choice affects somebody else. Your choice to bring your leftover time and your half-hearted worship into the presence of an almighty God affects the people that are around you because they look at you and think, my God, what in the world's wrong with them? I'm running, running after you. You alone are my heart's desire. And we sing it like this. Lord, I'm asking you to change my life. I'm asking you to change me. 
everything about me, my walk, my talk, my smile, my actions, my reactions, my preparation time, my study habits. I'm asking you to change everything about me, Lord, because I don't want anything to ever be selfishly driven. I want it to be all about you. And Lord, I don't want to bring you my leftovers. I want to bring you the best of my worst so that I can lay them before your feet and receive the best that you've ever given wholeheartedly. And I will bring before you a sacrifice of praise. Not my half-hearted presence. Well, it's church time. I guess I need to go and show up because it is the last Sunday of 2020. And you know, you want to end the year with a bang and ring in the new year with a good one. So we'll go to church. We, we began to treat church as if it's just something to check off on a box. Yeah, we want you here. We want this place full. We're missing, uh, and, and I know that the time is different and, and people are watching. I got all of that. But if you go back eight months ago, we're missing nearly 100 people in this place. And I understand that many of them view, and thank God for that. And, there, and, and I understand the whole concept. I got it all. I'm not throwing stones. Please hear me clearly. But when you are watching online, if you do, and that's terrific, are you preparing yourself to be in the presence of the Almighty God? Or are we worried about if our toast is burning? I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm just asking questions. Or do we, we come into His presence? Do we come in? And, and Sundays are crazy. I told you, we drive separate across the parking lot. Because from there to here, we can get in a big argument. It just happens. And you know, you pull up in church, you be, you've been about to kill each other, and you walk in, oh, praise God. I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Let me get my praise on. After church, I'm going to kill you. It just happens. Why? Because this is what the enemy desires to take your focus and your attention. And, and here's what you read in Galatians. Paul says, and he asked the question to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? In essence, what has taken your focus off of the Lord God Almighty? What has got your attention? We do every, listen, every single one of us have been guilty of it. And if you say you haven't, you need to be the first at the altar because you are lying in the house of the Lord. So here's what, here's what David did. He saw what was going on and he prayed. Can you believe this? David knew I'm responsible for what is happening right now. And David didn't get mad at God. He didn't get mad at people. He didn't tuck, tail, and run. He didn't take his toys and leave. He interceded. He began to pray. And in, in, in verse 17 of chapter 24, David spoke unto the Lord when he saw that the angel that smote the people, and he said, Lo, I, I have sinned. God, I'm responsible for this. I have sinned. I have done wicked. But these sheep, the Israelites, the people that are being killed, that are losing their... They haven't done anything. And Lord, I'm praying to you that, that your anger be kindled against me and against my father's house. They don't have anything to do with my stupid decision. Can you believe this? That David owned up to what he had done and he did not run. He interceded, Lord, have mercy. But I want to tell you something. Confession, don't make it a, a wrong, a right. You have to repent. Well, I owned up to it. 
Well, there's more to it. Repentance. Verse 18, Gad, he came to, to, to that day. It says, Gad came that day to David, and he said unto him, Go up, rear up an altar unto the Lord, and the threshing floor of, 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 of Lord, I, pr I practice his name all week long. And it's just left me. Arona, Arona, there it is. That's, that's the name, or that's the southern version. Arona. Go buy the threshing floor from Arona, the Jebusite. The Jebusite was already condemned. They were not Israelites. So why in the world would the Lord send them somewhere else that he didn't belong? Because sometimes God will take you to a place that makes no sense. So we, we, we know that the, what the Lord spoke to Gad and he told him, go by the threshing floor so that you can make unto the Lord an altar because your confession of this thing isn't going to stop or stay the pestilence. You've got to repent. Don't bring God your half-hearted, well, I did it, but come to Him humbly and say, Lord, search me and know me and forgive me, Lord. So, so David, he set out to do this very thing. And you read in verses 20 through 23. It says, And Arona looked and he saw the king and his servants coming on, on toward him. And Arona went out and he bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. In other words, he was terrified. Oh my God, the king is coming. What in the world am I going to do? He may be coming to kill me. I don't know. The word don't tell us that he was terrified for his life. He could have. Verse 21, Arona said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? Basically, why are you here? What are you doing here? And David said to buy the threshing floor of you to build an altar unto the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. Arona asked the question, David answered the question, and he told him why he wanted to do it. Verse 22, And Arona said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for the burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. Basically, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give it to you. A lot of us right there be like, Hallelujah! Look what the Lord has done. We would be shouting, oh yes, he did it for me again, he came through. That's not what the Lord said to him. A lot of times, what may seem to be a blessing is not a blessing, it's a test. And what we think the Lord is working out, he's not working out. He's testing you and trying you to see if you really did hear him and if you really will be obedient. Because all seemed to be working out well. And he came to him and Arona seen him. He said, man, I don't want to die today, so I'm going to offer you. I'm going to give you everything you need to do what you need to do. Have my threshing floor. Here's an oxen for the sacrifice. Here's all the instruments. Here's the wood. Everything you need. Right here, just take it. Seems good. Verse 24, David told him, nah, ain't going to happen. Nah, I don't want to. David said to Arona, nay, we don't say nay, we say no, not, nope, not, ain't going to happen. But I will surely buy it of thee at a price. I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David knew better. I, will re I refuse to offer unto God anything that didn't cost me nothing. 
See, we want, we want God to bless us indeed. And we want God to pour out in our lives, and we should desire, but we haven't. It ain't cost us nothing. A little time, a little bit of frustration and aggravation. This year it's cost us some change and some things, and, 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 and we make all the excuses in the world, and I want to ask you this, what cost will you pay? Sure, I, I want to be very clear. God and His blessings are not for sale. So don't think you can come up here and write in your checkbook and God's just going to pour out unto you abundantly. You should desire to give unto the Lord because He's blessed you with that to give. But what will you pay? What will it cost you? What are you willing and, and desiring to give up and to pay? You can't buy them or his blessings, but yet we expect again God to give His best and we only give Him our leftovers. We ain't just talking about money. We're talking about time. Well, pastor, that's easy for you to say because this is your job. No, this is my call. For 20 plus years, I worked construction. I worked full time. I never worked a 40-hour week. It was normally 70 to 80 hours a week. And most of those weeks, I came into the presence of God, into a house of worship, dog dead tired, and giving the Lord half of what I had. But I'd wake up Monday morning, and I'd be on the job at 6.30, raring to go, and I'd give him everything I had. Because you'll go to work tired. You'll go shopping tired. You'll, in fact, go out to eat today tired. But I can't go to worship the Lord because I'm tired. Or, or I just don't have time to go to church today because it's been a hectic week. But yet we'll find time to scroll through Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever other things you got, TikTok and whatever they got. I don't even know what all the names are. Or you'll sit and watch TV. But you don't have time to meditate on the Lord. You don't have time to prepare yourself on a Saturday to be in His presence on Sunday. You don't have time to seek His face and ask Him the direction of your life and what He desires for you to do, but you do have time to scroll through. You don't have time to intercede on behalf of your brothers and sisters that are suffering and sick in body, but you do have time to go shopping and, and, and here and there and everywhere else. The one thing that has frustrated me to no end over the last, since March, is that people will go everywhere in the world except for church because that's where we're going to get sick. You know, because they don't have a, a, a person out there sanitizing the handles of the buggies. And, and I didn't come today to throw darts, but I did come today to be blunt, honest. God don't want your leftovers. He wants all of you. He wants every ounce you got. And if I seem like I'm irritated, I am, because I'm sick of the people blaming the church when this should be a place that you desire to come worship and adore Him. But yet they expect us to close the doors, and we're irresponsible if we come together, but we can all go to Walmart as long as we follow the errors on the floor like some dumb old sheep. I just love walking the wrong way just for the fun of it. Because I don't even care. 
When are we going to be desiring Him for all that He has and all that He is? Yes, everything in the world has seemed to go wrong. But yet, we've found ourselves distracted by what has... Listen, people here have got sick. I'm not saying coronavirus is not real. I understand it's real. It's affected my family, personally. It is real. But so are colds and flus, which nobody has now. And everything else. When will you continue to live? And give him all of you. Sure, David sinned. Not only did he admit that he sinned, but he repented to the Lord. And he said, I'm not going to offer you, Lord, anything that didn't cost me nothing. It was laid out for him to receive. It's free. Take it. Arona wanted, oh, please, here, 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 here. No, I refuse to offer the Lord anything that didn't cost me nothing. I will not give him my leftover money. But I will give him what he requires of me, 10% plus more. And if that offends you, take it up with the Lord. We've done had people leave because I said tithing is biblical. Well, then take it up with the Lord. I will not give him my extra time, but I will seek him first and his righteousness and desire all of him. Can I tell you that obedience brings abundance in your life? Obedience to the Lord brings an abundance in your life. Your life. You ever thought, man, I like, boy, I wish the Lord blessed me like that. Well, when's the last time you sacrificed to receive all that he has? Because we, we just show up. Do what you can do, Lord. Do what only you can do, Lord. And we want to blame, blame what's going on on the Lord when we fail to do what he asks of us. When you read over it in, in, in uh, 1 Kings, and it's a familiar passage of Scripture, Elijah, he told Ahab, he said, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of an abundance of rain. Elijah, Elijah didn't say to his servant, Hey, if you, if you feel like it, or if you, if you want to, or if you think you got time, or, or no. he said, Get up. Eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Now listen, Ahab probably didn't even really hear this. And Elijah hadn't seen it, but he heard it. Why? Because he was, he was desiring all that the Lord had. He desired all that he had. Ahab, get up, I hear, I can't see it, but I hear it. I might not have seen whatever it may is yet. I might not have seen the promise that I've been told yet, but I know that I heard it. I know what He's shown me. I know what He's told me. I know what the Lord has promised me. And if I, if I listen to people, if I listen to visuals, then I allow those things to rob the promise that God told me. I haven't seen it yet, but I still know what I heard. I know what I saw. I haven't physically seen it. Let me put it that way. Ahab went with Elijah to the top of Mount Carmel. We know this story. And he, in, the, in verse 43 of chapter 18, Elijah told Ahab, uh, go up and look toward the sea. And Ahab came back and he said, there ain't nothing. 
Nothing. <laughs> Elijah, you need to get your hair checked. Nothing. See, this is how we, we respond a lot of times. If you read about the 12 spies, 10 came back and said, that ain't going to happen, brother. <laughs> they some big folks over there. I ain't going, I ain't going. But two came back and said, oh, yeah, this is what the Lord promised. We're going in. We're going to take it. See, it's all about who do you really trust and believe. And are, are, are you looking at all, even if the visual stuff don't look right. If God said it, I promise you, it will come to pass. And he came back and he told him nothing, but Elijah didn't stop. And he said, okay. Well, I guess I did hear wrong. No, Elijah said, go again, seven times. Go again, seven times, go. What are you talking about nothing? I ain't got time to hear you talking about nothing. Go again seven times. Then verse 44, and it says, And it came to pass at the seventh time, he said, Behold, <laughs> behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Listen, I... I we can talk about Elijah outrunning the chair. We can talk about all that stuff, but I want you to key in right here. Ahab saw because Ahab was willing to sacrifice every stinking ounce of energy that he had. If it cost him his last breath, I'm going to go again the seventh time because I want to see what he's heard. I want to see it. I don't know what you've been promised. I don't know what the Lord's spoken to you. And I don't even know if the Lord has spoken to you. But I promise you, if He hasn't, He will if you're seeking Him. And if He has promised you and He has spoken to you and He has directed you and you just don't see it, keep walking, keep going, keep, keep living for the Lord. Keep Going and even if something seems to be right in laying it out in front of you, and this is, man, this has just got to be it, and you need to seek Him, Lord. Is this what you have desired for me? Or you know that what the Lord has told you, and everything seems to be okay to make it easy for you not to sacrifice, but are you going to be like David and say, I won't give you anything that didn't cost me something? We've said over and over and over, it's time for the church to stop playing church and be the church. And, 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 and priori not prioritize, but make our values change those. We always want to talk about get your priorities right. Priorities don't matter because priorities change every single day. Your value will never change. What do you value? Do you, do you value all that He is? Do you value all that He has for your life? Do you value to be a servant for the Lord? Or is our priority to be known and seen and just to get a little goosebump here or there? Because I want to tell you something. You can be as solid as a rock in your relationship with the Lord and felt nothing. I've been there. And I've questioned, Lord, where are you? Because, Lord, I know where you told me to go. I know what you told me to do, but I don't feel anything. Aren't you glad that faith is not a feeling? Lord, I, I know that what you've desired, I know what you told us. I know, Lord, but I don't feel anything. In fact, I feel frustrated and aggravated, and I feel broken and confused. And it said, good, now you'll understand if you'll just listen. If you'll just listen. If you'll just be obedient. If you'll just keep sacrificing. <coughs> I 
For some, and I, I don't, I'm not doing this to point out, and, and, but sissy, I saw you walk in. And I'm not saying this to be funny, but if me and sissy were to have a foot race across the parking lot, I'd beat her. Because I can walk across that parking lot really easy. But it's a sacrifice to get ready to come and worship the Lord. You see Melanie come in and, and she can't walk right. And, and sometimes she has to use the, the walker or what, whatever. But she sacrificed because she desired to be in the house of the Lord. And yet we're, we can walk and talk and run and jump and turn cartwheels and everything else. But we can't because we're tired. When will we come to the place and Lord, I don't even care what it takes. But I just want to be obedient to you. I want more of you. I desire all that you have for me, Lord. Even if it costs me my pride. Elijah knew it was coming and maybe Ahab didn't. But after the sixth time of going up, he saw nothing. But he determined, and if it costs me my last breath, I will make it the seventh time because I want to see it. David didn't accept the freebie. He said, no, I'm not going to take that. But I'll pay a price. I'm willing, Lord, to pay whatever it costs because I don't want to offer you my leftovers anymore. I don't want to bring you my leftover time and my leftover resources. And I don't want to plan my budget around you and give you what's left. But God, I want to give you my first fruits. Some people say, I can't afford to pay tithes. You can't afford not to. And I just want to stay here for one moment. Coming soon, we're going to have a, a, a budgeting class for folks. Because we all need it. To understand the importance of biblical giving in our lives. Because God blesses that. But it's not about just money. It's about us. I don't normally do this, but I did this. Summer and I had a, a privilege on a couple of different occasions is set in some of the conferences of, of a pastor named Wayne Cordero. And many of you may have seen the video that I shared. And I'm going to share this video with you because I want you to understand where America is. And I want you to understand where the American church has found themselves. And I want you to come to the conclusion that I determined to not be that. And if this video will play, go ahead and start it. I want you just to, Let me finish with just this, to watch. Uh, story. We go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time, we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in, and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning, and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up, 
And they said, a little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break, and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. I said, you have much time in prison. So I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big, incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. I could have repeated everything you said, but I would thought, well, he just says it much better. I don't know where you find yourself, and I don't want to send you musicians to make your way. But I do know that in the middle of all the craziness that's going on in this nation, I have read surveys from pastors from all over the world, and the question was put in this manner, what is your, your take back or take of the American church? And the overwhelming response was simply, and I will sum it up with one word, lazy. Because we have the best of everything. If the paper pieces that didn't get vacuumed up off the floor this morning would not have 
Someone may have come in and thought, well, this place is filthy. I don't want to go back there. The pressures are put on you to make sure your bathrooms and the nursery is the nicest place in the world. Because if it's not, most of the time, your mama's saying, I ain't going back. But when will we sacrifice and become desperate? I believe in giving your best. I believe in cleanliness. I believe in all of these things. But I also believe that the Lord is tired of a half-hearted people. And He desires all that we have. And I want to take, make this statement this morning that you have as much of the Lord as you desire. You do. You have as much of Him as you desire. You know Him to the depth that you desire. Don't look at somebody else. Look at yourself. Lord, I've sinned greatly. Lord, I, I want to know you. I don't want to just talk about you. You know, sometimes we promise I'm going to make a change and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You ain't going to do nothing. Change will never come until you surrender. Change will never come until you say, God, I'm desperate for you, Lord. It's heartbreaking. And I'm going to be bluntly and straight up honest. It's heartbreaking. And I'm going to speak on Wayne's behalf this morning and on behalf of almost every pastor in this world. It's heartbreaking to know that I have toiled and tried and given all that I have and people will say I just, just, I'm just tired when you know what the Lord has placed in you and you know that his word don't return void but I want to be a part of a body that's desperate for him and don't care what it takes this morning I drove to the, to the post office because we got people that are faithful I know that they watch online I got all of that but I drove to the post office and I passed Pursuit Church and I saw out there in 27 degree weather faithful people who desired to see people come to know Jesus directing traffic. I'm not here to throw rocks at Pursuit Church. Praise God. Their service isn't like ours, but praise God they're preaching the same Jesus. I hope. I, I pray they are. I believe they are. But why would they stand out there? Because they're hungry. Why, Pastor, would you be washing the dirty van in 27 degree weather this morning? Because I want to see it rolling clean through a neighborhood and people say, I want to go. We don't want our excuse anymore. He wants you. Maybe you've been seeking something for a long time. Whatever it is. I want to ask you this. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to lay down and speak? Because I can promise you this. You can, listen, hear me clearly. You can bring the best of your worst. Because He knows you inside and out. And leave gives you the best of the best in return. Brother, I can't, I can't walk down that aisle. I mean, people may think something about me. 
There comes a point in your life where you don't even care anymore. Oh, I ain't going, I've been for a long time. The first time I met him, I thought, man, this guy's full. The more that I learned about Carl, the more I understand what sometimes he's up here dancing around. Like some people think he's a freak, but he don't really care. Because, Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice it all just for an ounce of you. People are going to think something bad about me. Who cares? The Lord knows your heart. There should never be a Sunday that goes by when you're not on your face. A day, period, goes by that you're not on your face before Him. Lord, I don't want to bring you anything that didn't cost me nothing. I want to ask you again, will you come and stay again? Well, I've been there six times, ain't nothing happened, but will you come to stay? Will you, will you sacrifice the last ounce of hope that you have, the last ounce of energy that you have, just to say, Lord, I give it all to you. Oh, and you've been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for years, it just didn't happen, but will you come to stay? Maybe you've been seeking healing or deliverance or, or, or salvation, whatever it may be. I want to tell you that today is your day, but I want to ask you this. What will you sacrifice? Because I can promise you tomorrow when the clock strikes at whatever time, you're going to be at work on time. God's an on-time God, and He's waiting. He wants to be in your life today. The last Sunday of 2020 could be the greatest day of your life. Brother, I'm saved. I ain't saved or not. But it can be the day that you truly begin to live and walk in victory. Stand in this place this morning. All He wants is you. Will you come, even if it costs you your pride? The woman with the issue of blood didn't care. She didn't care who was around Jesus. She was determined, I'm going to get to him and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. The blind beggar, Melissa spoke about him last week. He didn't care. I'm not going to be quiet. I am going to get to him. I will give all that I got. Because I, I know he'll give me all that I need. Boy, I ask you again this morning. What are you willing to pay? What will you sacrifice? Come today and let Him move in your life.
everything we've done off of your faith because of your hearts and your giving. So if the Lord decides to add a quarter to that budget, we'll gladly take it. Because the numbers don't look like it's possible, don't mean that God's not able. This coming year, that trailer is sitting over there, it's going to be fully equipped, it's going to be mobile, the church is going to be mobile. There's folks in here I already know that's going to be mobile with us. Why? Because that's what the Lord's placed in their heart. And I can promise you, you could come to a budget meeting and you would think there ain't no way. No way. I promise you, God is speaking. He's able. I've watched him for seven over seven, well, we watched them our whole lives, but I've watched them in this church for over seven years. Through. We refuse to give anything that cost us something. But I want to tell you, when you begin to pray, Lord, let my heart break for what brings us. Be ready. Be ready. love you guys. Pray for you all the time. I know you pray for us. We rejoice for those that are recovering. We rejoice today that we'll all come back together. We rejoice that we have the ability to live stream. You guys at home are, are watching. We rejoice with you. And please know that I understand. But I want to tell you, God desires all of us. Not your leftovers. And when you're willing to sacrifice, I promise you'll benefit. You'll benefit. I encourage you tonight, we have service. I know it's Sunday. I know it's the last Sunday of the year, but who cares? My brother, I ain't never been on a Sunday night. Come. I'm going to be preaching a message. It's going to be in the Bible, I promise. But here's what it is. It's not about what, it's about who. It's not about what, it's about who. Come tonight, 6 o'clock, and go out to eat. Please represent Christ. Don't be a jerk to your waiter or waitress. Be good to them. Tip them good. Bless them. But we love you guys. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, and we ask, I ask on behalf of Lakeside Church that you not let us bring anything to you that don't cost us something. 
Lord, let us never be about our name. Never let us be about the ministries. The Lord, let us always point to you. Let us always point to you, Lord. God, we thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for breaking those hearts of stone. Lord, for healing those hurts that have been there for years. We thank you for souls that are and will be saved. We thank you, Lord, for those addicts that will come in this place and leave delivered. Thank you, Lord, for those that have been hurt by religion that will walk in this place and leave free in your name. We thank you, Lord, that all you're doing, for all you're doing and all you will do, God, and we know that the best is yet to come. We praise and honor you. We thank you for those that are recovering. We praise you for their full, healthy recovery. God, we just give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll see you then. Be blessed.